Welcome to Dana Delivers by Aprio Podcast, the podcast that helps restaurant owners and operators learn from industry experts about trends and opportunities. On every episode, Dana Zukowski, the leader of Aprio's restaurant advisory team, explores a topic impacting our industry in a candid conversation. And now, let's hear what Dana is serving up on this episode. Welcome everyone to today's podcast. I'm especially excited about this two-part series we're starting today on Dana Delivers by Abria. We have Spike Mendelson with us today, who we know from so many things. We know from Top Chef, Good Stuff Eatery, Plant Burger, and now his new NFT. Today, in part one of our series, we're going to talk to Spike about his career and all the things he's done. And then in part two, we'll dive into the latest adventures with his NFTs. So Spike, thanks so much for being here with us today. Awesome. Always great to talk to a friend. And, you know, we go way back, Dana. So, you know, uh, you know, happy to be here and talk about everything in between, you know, South Beach Food and Wine Festival to, to plant-based lifestyle. It's been, a, it's been a pretty crazy ride. And you've known me for a lot of it, actually. So Yes. So, and that's kind of how I always like to start the podcast. I think it's fun to remember the first time you you met someone. And a lot of times I remember, but other people don't, but I think we both remembered because we just spoke about it. The first time we met was at a South Beach Food and Wine Festival. I was working at the time for Bobby Flay for Bobby's Burger. You were with Good Stuff. It might've been right after your season of Top Chef, I think, at Scott Feldman's 212 House, if I remember correctly. Yes, one of those after parties. Yeah, those after parties. That's, yes. Those are the times. Those, yes, those are exactly. The times. And I saw Scott the other day, so now I'll have to remind him that I brought him up on this. So yeah. very fun. So Spike, why don't you give everyone who's listening a little bit about you, your backgrounds, and where you you know get us to where you are today, and then we can go into a little more details. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I'll give you like the quick overview, and then we could dig into wherever you want. But you know, I'm originally from Montreal, so so that's that's one thing to know. And you know, I came to the United States as a teenager via Europe. I actually spent a couple couple years in Europe when I was early teens with my family, growing restaurant businesses over there. But I do come from like a restaurant family background. My I grew up in the restaurant industry in Montreal, and grew up in my grandfather's restaurants. And then when we moved to Florida because that was our first entry into the United States. My parents bought a Spanish restaurant that I grew up in for about 10 to 13 years, I think. And I learned, you know, how to cook there and, and, and run a restaurant. But, you know, we could fast forward a little bit. I mean, I did all the things. I went to culinary school. I was very inspired by, you know, French chefs back then. And, you know, everything from Anthony Bourdain to Alain Ducasse or Danielle Ballou or Repair and I actually did some some training in the the north of France, you know, where I got some classic French cuisine, and you know, I opened up the Le Cirque in New York City for the Mastroianni family in in the Bloomberg Building, and I also worked for Thomas in, in Bouchon in in California. So I had this crazy fun little career of diving deep in French cuisine, and over time, I also developed like a love for Vietnamese food and. And, you know, traveled throughout Vietnam and opened up a, a ton of restaurants in uh, New York City with Drew on, on Vietnamese food. And I actually was working at my house, which was a restaurant in Tribeca that Drew owned. And I got the opportunity to do Top Chef. So at that point, I had grown up in the business and really been training all over the world, if you will. And I, I wouldn't say I had plateaued, but I had like expired out on my first round of restaurant world. Meaning uh, I was just looking for something really different and fun to do. I had just been, while people just were getting the first couple of years my age in the business, I had already had like a ton of exposure to it, right? And 
So I and said, to some of the best people, not just a lot of exposure, but a lot of great exposure. Yeah, a lot of great exposure. I mean, like, listen, I grew up from a family of restaurateurs. My mom was a fan of chefs and food and culture. So I, I really, you know, grew up with that idea. In fact, like the restaurant I went to go work at in France was a restaurant that I always grew up hearing from from my mother. It was a chateau. Uh, Gerard Boyer was the chef. He was a three Michelin star chef. And I grew up like literally listening to my mom saying this is where they ended up on their honeymoon. And, you know, she had these menus that were signed by him, like in my kitchen growing up. And then years later, when I went to go to France, I knew I had to go work there. So I I managed to be able to get an apprenticeship. But that's a funny little side story. I always find I find that funky because, you know, you are your surroundings as you grow up. And I grew up hearing about Gerard, hearing about Le Creer. And I was like, if you want to be the best chef, you will have to go work here. And sure enough, when you know, I got the opportunity to like, oh, wait a second, I can go across the country and go work for this guy. And, and it was it kind of cemented a lot for me at that time in my life. That experience there in France kind of opened up the doors for me when I when I came back to the United States. It was you know, that's why I got the job at Le Cirque, because Gerard knew Sergio Mascioni. Right. So it was like a fun you know, it was a crazy little experience. You know, it's it's hard to there's so many details it's hard to dig into. But but yeah, so I ended up in New York and and after working for the Mascioni family for a couple of years under uh, Pierre Chadlin was the chef at that time. I went to go work for Drew. I took a little bit of a leap of faith and I went for more of a restaurant tour driven style of a restaurant, which again, like that, you know, my time with Drew, I, I look back and and I love because. He's, you know, a serial restaurateur. So it, it just kind of doubled down on, my, you know, I went from my upbringings in that kind of life. And then I went for like this top echelon of chef training. And then I went back to like the restaurateur driven style of things. Right. And you know, I think if we're going to if we're going to say taking a leap is going to work for Drew, I'll take that leap every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it was like my right. going from chef driven to restaurant yeah, like, driven. Yeah, I totally, you know, for me, it was right. like I didn't know uh-huh. too much about Drew, although I heard like a lot of stories at that point. I was super young still. So I was like, oh, my, like, is this like the right thing? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> You know, so, but I loved working for him. I really did. And I learned a lot working for him. It was actually thanks to Drew that, he, you know, he kind of supported me with a paycheck, literally but making sure I was made whole for the weeks that I was gone to go do Top Chef the first time around. You know, he, he kind of believed in in doing it and, and hopefully it was going to be able to shed light on, on, you know, the Vietnamese restaurant I was working at the time. And yeah, so it was it was an interesting parlay into Top Chefdom. And yeah, you know, from there, you know, again, a whole other series of doors opened up. I, I moved to D.C. and linked back up with my family to open up Good Stuff Eatery, and uh, which was our first burger spot on Capitol Hill, uh, not too far from right there, basically on Pennsylvania Avenue by the Capitol. And that is kind of what started my whole life in D.C. So oh, that's amazing. And like I said, when we met, it was after Top Chef, you were doing Good Stuff Eatery. I was working at Bobby's Burgers, started in burgers. Everything was, it was burgers. It was me focused then into We The Pizza and then kind yeah. of in that world for a while. And the next thing I knew, obviously many years later, I get an email that you are working on a plant-based concept and yeah. opening up restaurants and Whole Foods. And I'm like, wait, yeah. stop, new paragraph. So what happened that transitioned from me 
to the plant. Also, my little backstory here, which is kind of the flip-flop to you. I was a vegetarian for 21 years and I grew up where my grandpa was a butcher and I started eating meat probably right a little bit before you went into plant-based. So kind of yeah. flip-flop there. So I like to hear what made you do what you did. Yeah. Well, when I did open up Good Stuff Eatery and we eat a pizza and then Bernays and now, you know, Santa Rosa, now Santa Rosa Taqueria, like on Capitol Hill, I was also juggling my platform. Like how, like what, what can I do as like a chef beyond the four walls of restaurants? And, and I was very new to it, but you know, there, there was also a really interesting trend of uh, chef as policymakers at that point. Right. Uh, Dana. So, uh, yeah. you know, when Tom was doing his stuff with GMO and, and play to the union, Michelle Nishan was always firing, uh, you know, full throttle on, on, on the farm bill and, and such, but you know, he was doing it in a different way with wholesome wave and, and now wholesome crave. Right. So Jose Andrea, same thing, you know, was getting into uh, policy. So I thought it was pretty interesting based on, I was in DC and surrounded by policymakers. And I started to learn more about the farm bill and, uh, the reflection of the restaurant industry and, and the way it affects what we do. So I started to advocate on behalf of policy uh, and then even, you know, ended up chairing our food policy council in D.C., which helps me kind of like look at the food system. And a lot of things that were coming up throughout that work was uh, pointing the direction of more plant-based foods in our diet. Not, let's say, veganism or, or complete vegetarianism, but just in general, the idea of getting more plants in your your thing. And here I was just very successful working and growing good stuff and, and so forth. But, you know, as you know, Dana, like, you know, right. I think I, I, I had one of the first, I, I, I mean, 100% first top chef, fast casual restaurant, right? And right. with good stuff, it was a little bit of a, a new movement at the time. The, and especially for the burgers, like it was the better burger movement where chefs were able to take an item like a burger, but reintroduce it in a way that's maybe more sustainable. Maybe it's a different style of meat or blend, but just a just a better burger, right? Mm-hmm. Not you know such a processed product like a Burger King or you know a McDonald's and so forth. So you know we were part of that movement. I was part of that movement, and that was super successful. And it was very disruptive at the time as well. And it was also timely to our the recession that we were having right in in the business which was right around 2008 so i always just like to preface that point because it was very cutting edge right right around that time to do something like that right and you know and i love to continue to push the limits so let's fast forward to your point about you hearing the news about plant burger well you know i had met my wife which was vegan i didn't understand too much about that world and always kind of shrugged my shoulder to that person coming into the restaurant and with a vegan thing. And, you know, I was like that chef. I was basically that chef. I was a very meat heavy chef. But I met Seth Goldman on a panel at GW, basically. And uh, and for those that don't know, Seth yeah. started Honest Tea. Yes, yes. He started Honest Tea and had very successfully. And he actually was part of Beyond Meat very successfully. And at the panel, we were talking about food policy, and I had met him, and he brought a cooler and snuck it under my chair, and, uh, and it was a bottle of Honest Tea and Beyond Meat, and he's like, hey, I heard you're the Burger King. Like, <laughs> take these home and, and see what you think about them. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, like, 
thanks a lot and thinking nothing uh, really about it. And, you know, sure enough, I took him home, grilled him up for the wife and she loved him and I loved him. I was amazed on how they cooked and, and how recognizable it was. So I started getting very excited and up all night. I had a sleepless night and I basically woke up the next morning finally after going to bed. I emailed Seth and I was like, hey, I'd love to get involved a lot more with what you're doing. And we should open up. You know, I went right for it right away. I was like, we should open up a burger fast food chain. You know, that's all plant based. And uh, at the time he was just, you know, obviously he's just building Beyond Meat. So we started to get to know each other really, right? And he got me involved with Beyond Meat. So I got to learn about the product. I also got to launch Beyond Sausage and I would start to develop like really good recipes and video content for the brand and start to really like get a glimpse of what plant-based lifestyle is and some of these amazing products that are coming out and the innovation behind it. And as soon as I learned about the burger, I was like, all right, well, is there a cheese that melts? I would, I went on the hunt for like the best plant-based melting cheese. And, you know, before you know it, I was able to create a menu with my buddy, Mike, that was a hundred percent plant-based, indulgent, delicious, greasy, and it was a burger place. And we kind of looked at each other and were like, oh, wow, like the movement is here. And I loved it because it was the first time I was able to put a lot of the advocacy work I do and like everything we talk about and really mm-hmm. combine it with my my restaurateur life. So, you know, to me, it's it's kind of the culmination of a lot of things. And, and then Seth basically, you know, obviously – you know, being able to be in the same office with, with Seth Goldman and, and help, you know, grow the plant burger brand. And now I'm part of Eat the Change as well, which is a, a CPG company. You know, he's challenged me to really look at our food system in a different way, right? With so much going on with climate change and, and eco-anxiety, people don't know what to do about it. Well, if we can make them really understand that there's a, a lot of choices you make throughout your day that can actually really help the planet and the environment because you're investing in those choices that are better than maybe some of the choices you're making. So we attack that with plant burger through the burger category. People love eating burgers. They love drinking shakes. They love having French fries and dipping sauces. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So if we're, <laughs> we, we could introduce that not only if that it makes it better for the planet, right, but also better for the, themselves then, you know, we have a really great proposition there. And so that's kind of what we've been working on. And that's why I love what I'm doing. I'm, I'm still flexitarian. I'm not a, a vegan or vegetarian. And I think that's important for people to know because I am transitioning. I don't know where in my diet, right? But I always tell people, listen, there's some really low-hanging fruit here. Like if you want to get involved in plant-based foods, the innovation is here. It's, it's just getting started. It's very exciting. Uh, but there are ways just to kind of like start to learn about it. It doesn't mean you have to give up some of your favorite foods right off the bat or anything like that. At the end of the day, I think balance in your diet is is the ultimate thing that you should be shooting for. But, you know, it could be simple as switching dairy milk for plant-based milk in your coffee and seeing how that goes for you. So, yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting place where I'm at and it's exciting and yeah, it's just, it's fun. Well, I and I will plug it. Right now, there's two locations in New York. I live literally between them, one in Nomad and one in Union Square. So Spike, let's close out for today, but I really want to talk to you about what you're doing in NFTs. So let's talk about that a little bit more in part two. Thank you to all of our listeners to the Dana Delivers by Apio podcast. If you like today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Dana Delivers brought to you by Aprio, a premier accounting and business advisory firm with offices across the U.S. and clients around the globe.